Making the Weston A. Price principles accessible, simple, and approachable for everybody is what Anita is so good at. Anita is a wife and mother living in Colorado, USA, serving up delicious, nourishing meals every day. She has mastered the ancestral food principles, and she can teach you how to roast a whole chicken and make the gravy in just a few sentences. She shares these recipes generously at westonapricerecipes.com and on her Instagram of the same name, which is where I was so lucky to discover her several years ago. I got to sit down with her today and learn about the health crisis that drove her towards ancestral food, what she and her children did when they discovered tooth decay, and how she doesn't menu plan, and that rebellious love of flexibility helped to create the easy recipes that she shares with all of us. We also talked about her Ukrainian and Indian food background, reducing stress in the kitchen, and so much more. I finished this episode feeling refreshed, encouraged, and ready for some whipped raspberry panna cotta. Patrons that are supporting the podcast are also invited to check the treasure trove for a few of my favorite recipes from Anita's website in a printable PDF, as well as a bonus after-show conversation. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen Podcast with Allison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea living on a newly created family farm in Northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Hello, Anita, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, this is a total treat for me. I'm pretty sure you're one of the first Weston A. Price accounts that I ever started following. And I'm just going to move my microphone. Sorry, I know that's noisy. And I immediately fell in love with your account on Instagram because it's it's so clean. It's so straightforward. It's so honest. It's not this complicated. I don't, I don't know. I feel like people can overcomplicate food sometimes and you just make, you're like, look, you put the chicken in the pan, you put the pan in the oven. <laughs> you make it so simple for us. So never had a dud off of your Instagram recipes ever. <laughs> that makes me feel so good. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I'm super excited all that to say to have you here on the podcast to talk to in person. We've never had a conversation other than over Instagram. So this is fun. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. So <clears throat> let's just kick it off, dive right in. What is the last thing you ate before hopping on the podcast today? So it's morning. So the last thing I ate was breakfast and breakfast is always just child leftovers. So I wait for my kids to eat <laughs> yeah. their breakfast and just eat whatever they haven't eaten. So it was um, over easy. It was just like the remainder of over easy eggs. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, the most wonderful organic sourdough bakery in mm -hmm. my town, which opened about a year ago and has been life changing. So uh, I had cranberry walnut bread from them oh my with butter on it. And I had coffee. That sounds so good. Do you put anything in your coffee or do you take it? Right. I put milk in. I put in quite a bit of milk. Yeah. Do you steam your milk or put it in cold? 
Um, I have a milk frother. It spins the milk oh, around and froths yeah. it up. Is it that one with the funny name? Because I have one. I can never remember the I name. I don't remember the name of yeah, it. That's probably but, the same one. <laughs> uh, it's been a real workhorse. Yeah, yeah. So it's not technically steamed because you're not putting yeah. steam in. It just sort of it's, spins it around yeah. and it has a little frothing disc. Yeah. Gives us the same effect in the cup. That's awesome. So you're in Colorado and... For both of us, it snowed today. <laughs> so yes, we're still, right. still right in winter. So so I sent over to you some questions that um, when I first told Allison, I, I was like, I really want to talk to her. I told her, these are the things I want to ask. And so I sent that over to you. So I'm going to jump over to that list and just start asking you. So could you tell us, well, <clears throat> first off, I'll say for people listening, if you've got your phone in your hand, hop over to Instagram and pull up Anita's page. It's Weston A. Price Recipes. That's the name of your Instagram. I don't know. We're not supposed to call it Handle anymore, right? That's like old fashioned. <laughs> I don't know what we call it now. I don't know. I can't keep up with all the new Instagram stuff. I, know. I've, I realize I'm at the point where when I was a kid, I was like, everybody's like, oh, I can't keep up with the slang. I'm like, what are you talking about? doesn't move that fast. Now I'm like, yeah, I'm still stuck in 2000. So, <laughs> um, so go check out her page. She has an amazing Instagram where she posts recipes and I've saved a ton of them because then I don't have to scroll back down. I just have a folder in my save called like WAPF. <laughs> I do also have a website. Yeah, I was going to say that. The reason I created the website is just to be able to search for, yes. for recipes. I haven't actually updated it in a while, yeah. but um, it may, it, you can search and you can look by category there. Yeah, I was going to say that for sure. People, I was going to say, because of that whole Instagram scrolling thing, go to your yeah. website. When you announced it, I was really excited. And I immediately went on and found the chicken recipe. <laughs> well, it's, I, I don't understand why Instagram doesn't have a feature that lets you search within a certain account. It makes, we don't. It, it would make things so much easier for for accounts. Well, I think you just answered accounts. your own question. That's why they don't have it. So <laughs> could you tell us a little bit about your journey in terms of finding ancestral food when you started Weston A. Price eating and why you started that? Sure, absolutely. Well, I think it's important for me to give a bit of backstory to it. I actually, for 14 years of my life, had very severe chronic pain from age 15 to age 29. I was in and out of a wheelchair. Oh my. I missed school. I had surgery. I had all sorts of problems, and nothing got better. I tried every sort of um, conventional treatment. I tried uh, every sort of alternative treatment, you know, homeopathic injections, platelet therapy, acupuncture, you name it. Wow. And it was just getting nowhere. My, my, it was really, really bad. I was barely able to function. And when I was 29, I found um, a book called The Mind-Body Prescription by a man named Dr. John Sarno. And that book completely saved my life. It wow. truly saved my life. I really urge any of your listeners that are struggling with any sort of chronic pain to look at this book. And what this book taught is that chronic pain is created by your body as a distraction from repressed emotions that are in your subconscious and they're threatening to come up to your conscious. And the body creates the chronic pain to distract you so that you don't allow those 
repressed emotions to rise up into your conscious mind because it sees them as a threat. And to stop the chronic pain, there's really just two things you have to do. You have to understand that there's nothing wrong with your body. This is a sort of protective mechanism that your mind and body are creating. Uh, it's a combination of a protective mechanism and false beliefs that we've been taught about our bodies. And then you have to actually uncover those repressed emotions and allow them um, to allow yourself to experience them so that they leave your subconscious, leave your being. And that was uh, November of, I don't remember the year, uh, it was nine years ago, eight, nine years ago. And uh, I was in a wheelchair, I was barely able to walk. And by the spring, I was... Um, I was taking dance classes, and oh by God. May, I was at Disney World with my daughter. So uh, I completely recovered thanks to that book. Wow. Um, I, I've been pain-free ever since. But anyway, thanks to that book and what I learned from it, I learned that uh, robust health is our birthright. There's nothing wrong with us. And if we are experiencing any sort of chronic health conditions, uh, we can fix those ourselves. Oh, you know, with the exception of severe malnutrition or poisoning, of, you know, there are things that can happen to us, uh, you know, severe trauma that didn't heal properly. But otherwise, if, if we have a chronic health condition, uh, we are capable of healing that. So what happened was not long after that, my daughter was three and she had her first dentist appointment. And she had a big old cavity in one tooth. I said, huh, and she said, you know, the dentist, it was a holistic dentist. I was, uh, you know, sort of in the holistic space at that time. And the dentist said, well, okay, you know, she's got this cavity. She's only three. It's a molar. Let's fill it. And I was like, huh, why does she have a cavity? She shouldn't have a cavity. Some, some, I'm doing something wrong if this kid has a cavity. There's, there's no reason for her to have a cavity. There's nothing wrong with her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even holistic dentists, they can't tell you, most of them, why you have cavities. So that uh, so I started researching and I found a wonderful book called uh, Cure Tooth Decay by Ramiel Nagel. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Ramiel Nagel. Nagel. May you rest in peace. Yeah. Um, it was a really wonderful book and a, a large por- It's a book about how to cure tooth decay, and a large portion of that book is devoted to summarizing Dr. Price's research. So it's a very it's not it's a pretty short book, very accessible, very readable. And I mean, uh, probably most of that book is actually a discussion of Dr. Price's research. Um, so I read that and I was like, oh, wow, okay, that, that makes sense. Great, let's start taking cod liver oil. Let's start drinking raw milk. I started doing all that stuff. And for a couple of years, we did that. So we sort of incorporated certain Weston A. Price principles into our diet. You know, we only ate sourdough and, um, you know, I, I started incorporating organ meats and I had grown up eating liver, so that wasn't very difficult for me. But I did that for a couple of years and we still kind of didn't get anywhere. My daughter's teeth weren't really getting worse, but they weren't getting better. I had a lot of problems with my teeth. And I said, okay, I really have to look at this more seriously. And that's when I actually picked up Dr. Price's book, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, which chronicles his travels and nutritional studies. And it's such a big book, it's really intimidating, but it's actually extremely readable. It's written for lay people. He's an excellent writer. Uh, much of it reads like a memoir. And I read that book cover to cover, and I was like, okay, I get it. I, I understand. I understand what I was doing wrong, and I understand what I need to do, and I understand the basic principles of this. And at that point, I committed us pretty strictly 
to, to Weston A. Price principles. At that point, we actually completely eliminated grains for a period of time. I said, let's just eliminate those until we get this under control. And within the space of a year and a half, um, all of my daughter's cavities remineralized. They healed. Wow. She had four at that time. Prior to doing that, there were four teeth the dentist wanted to fill. And after that, there were none. And for me, there were 11 teeth that wow. I had issues with. And then the very the next appointment, like a little a bit over a year later, there was just one. It was a wisdom tooth. The 10 of them were totally fine. There was one wisdom tooth that was kind of soft. It was very hard to clean. And since then, that wisdom tooth has also remineralized. And the dentist is like, oh, it's so weird because it's black, but it's all hard. Wow. You know, which means it was a tooth that had experienced decay but had remineralized. Um, and so since then, once our teeth were better, we weren't so strict. We kind of pulled back. But um, since then, I'm, I'm very, I've been totally committed to those nutritional principles. And um, I'm really grateful that we had these dental problems because they're sort of like a canary in a coal mine. If you're having dental problems, it's a sign that there's problems all over. It's just comes out. It's just much clearer in your teeth. It's a sign that you have some sort of nutritional deficiency or imbalance. That's a remarkable story. I mean, that's wonderful. And what a great indicator your teeth were that something was being left out of the picture or maybe something brought in that wasn't helpful. So so you started doing that roughly nine years ago or so? Um, or that was when I, I, I read, uh, you know, Ramiel Nagel's book, uh, about yeah, eight or nine years ago, but then I only actually sat down and read physical nutrition and physical degeneration and started taking it really seriously, probably six or seven years ago. Yeah. Okay. And when did you start your Instagram? I started my Instagram, I think it was in 2018 or 2019. So okay. I must gosh, have definitely, I guess it was a while ago now. must have been following you from when you started. I didn't even realize because I was going to say, I feel like I've been following you for maybe four or five years or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I started around that. Okay. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah. How do you feel about our food world? Do you want to see change like we do? If so, head over to patreon.com forward slash ancestral kitchen podcast and help support us to get this work out as far and wide as we can. To say thank you, we've got a host of extra ancestral food material to share with you. You can connect with us more deeply via our Patreon-exclusive podcasts, our after-show chats, our dedicated forum and our ancestral food get-togethers. And there's a library of downloads that will support you in your own kitchen. By joining, you'll be really helping us to continue making this podcast and to focus on having a bigger impact, reaching more people, making a greater difference. So we can move together towards the future food world we all want to see. We've got four levels of support to suit different pockets. Check out www.patreon.com forward slash ancestral kitchen podcast for all the details. So Allison wanted to ask about some of your cultural background and stories about memories with your mom or traditions and things that it sounds like she's had some conversations with you about in, in brief. Um, but this is something that I was totally unaware of. So is that something you can expand on for us? 
Sure, I'd be happy to. So I was born um, in the Soviet Union. I was born in Ukraine. My mother is from Ukraine. My father is actually from India. He went to university in the Soviet Union in Moscow, and he met my mother. And so I was born in Ukraine, but I grew up in Moscow. I lived there until age nine, and then I came to the U.S., to New York City. So I grew up, uh, I grew up in Russia with a Ukrainian mother and an Indian father. So I had a I grew up with a lot of really fabulous food. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, let me know, you know, what you'd like me to talk about that. from for, uh, in <laughs> regard that. to that. There's, there's a lot. You know, I grew up eating very well. I was very lucky. Yeah, that is that is wonderful. So um, Allison and I both visited Russia and something actually actually we think we might have gone around the same time um something that i remember there is a lot of like traditional foods on the plate every day uh the family that we stayed with a number of different families just family friends of ours and there was i don't remember seeing anything processed other than they would buy sour cream in containers so everything was very traditional and there was you know, these big giant glass barrels on the side of the road that you could stop and get the cups out of and everything. And I was completely blown away by the food. And I was only maybe 16 or 17 at the time. And I just remember saying every, every time I came back, whenever I came back and people were like, what, what did you, I was like, the food will blow your mind. The food is, I felt like I was on a different planet. It was so good. Everything tasted richer. It tasted more flavorful. And um, so talk about that food experience because what, what were things your mom was preparing and was your dad cooking too? It sounds like. Yeah, my dad is a fabulous cook. So I grew up with homemade Indian food. My dad's from North India, from Rajasthan. Yeah. Um, so I grew up with just, uh, my dad is sort of like a, a, we call him a world famous cook because nobody forgets his cooking that tries it. So I did grow up with wow. a lot of Indian wow. food. Um, but then uh, most days, you know, my mom, my mom was cooking. I can give you sort of a, a, a typical day yeah. in the, in food in, and this applies to Ukraine, I'd say Ukraine and Russia probably. Um, but you start off the day with a very hearty breakfast. So either it's eggs and sausage, or, uh, you can have these very sort of heavy porridges it's a farina. Oats are not typically eaten there. It's farina, which is a type of wheat right. porridge, but it's made with milk and with lots of butter. So, you know, you have to have a very, especially in Russia, you have to have a very hearty breakfast so you don't freeze to death yeah. before lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, lunch, there's, it's not really lunch. I guess it's probably more what you'd call dinner. So it's the main meal of the day and it's, it's eaten around 2 p.m. or so. And you always have soup as a first course. So there's always soup, and then there's a main course. And a main course is always some sort of meat, some sort of starch, so usually potatoes, but it can be noodles as well, and um, some sort of vegetables. So traditionally in Russia, most of the year, you're eating fermented vegetables. In, U in Ukraine, less so, because Ukraine has Ukraine is a lovely climate. Ukraine has lovely long... Yeah hot summer. So you have fresh vegetables available for quite a long time. But then in the winter, you're also eating fermented vegetables. And then uh, these stewed fruit drinks are very oh my popular I, to drink with your like, meal too. There's uh, 
they're very easy to make actually yeah, i should I, post you should i should post how to make them i've made them there's comfort which is stewed fruit and mm. then there's kisi it is also actually sort of stewed cranberries and it's mixed with some starch oh, either so cornstarch or potato starch so it's a sort of thick sweet <laughs> and um and sour drink and then your evening meal will be laid and it's something very light because you've had your main meal earlier in the day. Um, Sirniki, which are these cottage cheese pancakes. And cottage cheese there is very different from our cottage yeah. cheese. I think if you buy it in stores here, it's called farmer cheese. It's also very easy to make. Um, and, uh, and so it's made from those, and they're these little sort of fried pancakes. They'll have raisins in them sometimes. That's what I remember very often having in the evening. Or maybe you'll have a bit of bread and cheese or something. It's a light yeah. meal before bed. I remember. So that's sort of your typical day. And then holidays are a, such a big deal food-wise. Yeah. There are all these just fabulous dishes that get made for holidays. And you get smoked fish and you get caviar and you get these wonderful salads and, and all sorts of delicious stuff. So holidays are something you look forward to for the food. Uh, amen. <laughs> Didn't um, the Weston A. Price Instagram just post the other day a picture of bread with thick slabs of butter on it? And they said, how much butter do you put on your bread? And I chuckled when I saw it because I remember the 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 family we stayed with, one babushka was from Ukraine, the other was from Russia. And they were, like you say, the food seemed to have a lot of crossover. But they would slice the bread and then they would slice the butter and put it on. Yeah, like, that's why like, I do it. Yeah, like slices <laughs> of cheese. And yeah, we do that now. But at the time, remember, I'm coming from America, you know, born in the <laughs> 80s. And I was like, I always see people spread like a sheen of butter on bread. And oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the bad part. Put it on your Wonder Bread. <laughs> yeah. But be careful. Put just a little bit of, I can't believe it's not butter on it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it was, I was hooked because it was so good. And of course, it was real. And the bread butter. is so good. Yeah, the bread is so good there. It's usually rye bread or a mix of rye and wheat. I mean, there's wheat bread too, but. Yeah. But you, you have that hearty rye bread. It has so much flavor. It's so mm -hmm. delicious. Yeah. Also, I must mention, you know, we're talking about Ukrainian food. I think the best food in the world is borscht. I've never po posted my family's recipe <laughs> because my page is all about easy things, and it's not particularly easy. Oh. It is quite complicated, and if you get it wrong, it doesn't taste good. And if you get it right, it's just the best food ever. So I'm going to have to go with sit down with my mom one day yeah. and just film her making it and post it because it is just the most wonderful, delicious food. And then another uh, just incredible Ukrainian delicacy is called sala. And it's, um, it is cured pork fat. And it's, I believe it's the back fat. And I've tried making it. I, I, I failed miserably. You just have to buy it made in Ukraine, or I think you can get a decent ones made out of Canada and it's salted pork fat and you just slice it and eat it on bread. And it is, so unbelievably delicious oh man that sounds so good i love it all the really hearty foods that go with as you say the intense cold and i mean how many hundreds of miles do we put on walking just that summer you know we walk everywhere or um i i mean I, yeah i just walk 100 miles and going up 40 flights of stairs to the flats and things like that. Yeah, you need all that food. Stick to your ribs. Exactly. <clears throat> um, and what was your dad making? 
Oh, <laughs> my dad is a fantastic cook. Yeah, he makes lamb curry, Ooh. chicken curry, cauliflower, dal, um, these squash curries. Um, uh, you know, uh, chole, which is which is chickpeas. Okay, chickpea curry dish. Uh, I think I don't remember what they're called. I think it's pigeon peas. Yeah, pigeon peas. Yeah. A lot of dishes with with you know legumes. And uh, and breads. Um, my dad's region, they usually didn't have rice. Rice is more from the south, so they would eat everything with paranta. Okay. And chapati. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Did have you posted his um, uh, chapati recipe on your website? No, I have. I have to just watch my. No, yeah. I, I've never actually made anything myself, and I have to. I have to just sit and watch my dad actually do yeah. it. You know how good cooks don't have any recipes. Yeah. So like, yeah. Well, I just do this <laughs> and that. I'm like, all right, I'll just watch exactly what you do and try yeah. to write it down. Well, when when I was trying to preserve my friend Agnes's recipe for chapati, then what I did was I went over to her house with a scale, and I put the scale under her bowl. And then I would just That's watch smart. and then she'd mix and then she'd throw in a little bit more and I would just keep writing down. So mine would say like 30 grams, two grams, five grams, six grams, you know, <laughs> and, and then I just kind of accumulated it um, to get the feel for what she was doing. But well worth preserving. Yeah. The best. Yeah, I have to do that. Also, you know, my dad says you have to get flour from an Indian store because there's a certain type of flour. Because I have a grain mill and I have hard bread wheat and we've tried grinding it. And he says it's just it's still not quite right. I think it's certain varieties of wheat they use. So if you want it to be really authentic, you got to get flour from an Indian grocery store. That's actually what we did in Virginia. Agnes and I would go there on Military Road. There was an Indian store. And we'd go there and get the bags of flour for her. Do you, so you, you aren't making then all the Ukrainian dishes that you brought with necessarily, but you're making some of them or many of them? Or? Yeah, I'm making the easier ones. So there's a lot of dumplings in Ukrainian cuisine. I, dumplings are something you spend the whole day doing and you have someone else with you and it's right, fun, but right. it's not something you, you do every day. And also you can buy them frozen quite easily, you know, in Eastern European grocery stores. I don't have an Eastern European grocery store in my town. Actually, a Polish one just opened, which has been fabulous, but they have different food. But we've been getting a lot of things there. So I don't make things like that. I don't really bake Ukrainian things either. Um, But I do make a lot of the the savory foods that are easier to make and the holiday dishes. Yeah. So much of ancestral food is long on time and short on money really because that's what you had more time less resource <laughs> so you're expanding the nutrient density of something by spending an hour pounding it salting it you know in a week's fermenting it versus going and buying you know probiotic cultures you also had a lot more multi-generational living mm-hmm. so there was usually some grandma around yeah. who was just cooking all day for yeah. you you know Made life much easier for everyone. Absolutely. And that is something that Allison and I have also talked about with ancestral food is ancestral food was part of a lifestyle, like network. As you say, grandma was in the house and she was either sitting at the table folding dumplings or she was rocking the baby while you folded dumplings. And Precisely. And yeah, we can mimic a little bit of that with a big family once your older kids get older, but when <laughs> they're all small, then it's... You know, it's all hands on deck. Well, and kids usually don't want to sit around and fold dumplings all day, whereas grandmas love to. Yeah, of course. And 
my mom and I will sit do any tedious task if we can talk for four hours. <laughs> don't care what we're doing. Precisely. <laughs> Folding laundry. What's next? <laughs> so could you tell us, as you have demonstrated on Instagram, lots of amazing, delicious dishes going to your table and fermented foods and things like that. Could you talk about some of your kitchen routines and your habits for keeping the food fermenting, keeping different food always cooking or available? And I've seen you post pictures of lunches that you pack for your kids, things like that. And last but not least, of course, how do you keep up with the dishes? <laughs> sure. So in terms of fermentation, I do have sourdough that I keep going all the time, that I feed every two or three days. However, since that bakery opened in my town, I don't think I've baked a single loaf of bread. I just use the sourdough for pancakes. So if I weren't using it for pancakes, I would just stick it into nice. my fridge. The only other thing I ferment really regularly is sauerkraut, but I do that in batches. We call it a sauerkraut party because I have my husband do all the squeezing. <laughs> the sauerkraut. So we just do a ton at once on a weekend, one evening, you ferment it, and then you're good for a couple of months. I find that that's... Because once you're doing it, just do a lot. It's pretty that's easy, kind of especially since you're going to be in there squeezing your sauerkraut. Yeah. Just squeeze a few cabbages. Yeah. I prefer doing a whole... Like I'll do a five-gallon bucket at a time because my policy exactly. is just up the table's a mess already i've got chopped cabbage already on the floor and else i might as well just, yeah, just do it all <laughs> yeah and then i used to make kombucha and water kefir kombucha i kind of gave up on because it was never as good as stuff from the store i thought like whatever I'll just buy it <laughs> yeah. and then water kefir was actually quite easy water kefir I think is a lot easier because you know how much time it's going to take it's either two or three days whereas kombucha sort of seven to ten days and if you don't catch the it's right so day variable, then yeah. you just yeah you just ruined the batch so I don't really do that anymore um if, if someone does want to try one of those I do suggest starting with water kefir because yeah. it's a shorter ferment so it's much easier you're kind of just going to know it's either two or three days totally and it's ready mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, in terms of kitchen routines, um, so a lot of this, I think, to have success with your kitchen routine, I think you have to understand your personality type. I struggled with this a lot, and I read a wonderful book, which I really recommend that everyone reads. It's called The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin, and it describes how different types of people motivate themselves. So for ages, I would try to make meal plans because I would see, you know, influencers, and just people I respected who, who cooked a lot, uh, they always had meal plans. And I would try to make meal plans, and it, I just failed miserably, and I, I hated it. I hated having the meal plan. I felt horribly oppressed by the meal plan, and <laughs> I didn't want to ever oh, have anything yes. to do with it. <laughs> and then I read The Four Tendencies, and I just understood. I said, oh, my goodness, uh, my personal type is a rebel, and I resist any sort of plans or expectations. <laughs> I have to have sort of a deeper motivation. And um, once I understood that, I wasn't mad at myself anymore. And I just sort of accepted what worked for me. And what works for me is that I'm very spontaneous about it. I normally decide in the morning what to make for dinner. And I just make sure that either I have some meat defrosted in my freezer, and in, in my fridge. I'm sorry. I, I but We buy one cow and one or two pigs and two lambs every year. So we have we have freezers and freezers full of meat. Right. So I, I just pull something out. It usually takes two days to defrost a cut of meat. So I make sure that either I have some meat defrosted in the fridge. If I don't, I just pull out ground meat and put it in a bowl of water. 
because I'll defrost within a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. Or if it's even later and I don't even have time to do that, the big go-to is shrimp because you can defrost oh, shrimp yeah. in about 30 10 seconds. minutes. <laughs> so I have bags of shrimp in my freezers. The ground meat is my go-to, or I just have some cut of meat that's defrosted. And I just decide what to do in the morning, um, which is why, again, all my recipes are easy because <laughs> I don't do recipes that require prep unless it's a special occasion. We have friends coming over. Maybe it's a holiday, yeah. something like that. Otherwise, everything's done that day. I, if there's anything that's marinating, actually, I never make anything that marinates. My <laughs> husband uh, does more complicated marinated meats. For him, it's like a fun weekend project. For yeah. me, it's it's getting made that day. If there's a marinade, it's marinating for an hour. Um, and so I have a lot of easy go-to recipes with ground meat, uh, you know, meatloaf, meatballs, meat sauce, things like that, that you can just make really quite easily. And I try to have sausages in the fridge a lot because sausages are just an instant meal. If yeah. you have some good quality sausages, that's it. You just throw them in the oven or on a pan yeah. and, I don't know, give your kids some vegetable or something <laughs> or boil a couple of potatoes and that's it. You have a meal. And then I am a – so with cuts of meat, I will either do a roast or a stew – and if I have time, I put that in sort of early afternoon, so it's done by the evening. But if I don't, I'm a huge fan of the Instant Pot mm -hmm. because it cuts cooking time by about 3 or 4. So it can be 4 p.m. and you can have a stew, which will normally stew for three hours or so, on the table by 6. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not I, – I there's also – I know there's slow cookers. I, I haven't really – I have one. I haven't really figured it out. Mm -hmm. I haven't figured out how to make – everything's just kind of soupy and and bland that I've tried to make there. So if I have time, I'll usually roast it in the oven. And then I have a lot of simple salads that I throw together. And if I don't have time or ingredients to throw together a simple salad, I will just give sauerkraut. That's one of the wonderful things about having fermented vegetables in your fridge and pickles and sauerkraut and things like that is that you just always have a side dish for – your meat totally and then I, I roast potatoes a lot for yeah. the side dishes too because that's an easy side no wonder I love your Instagram so much because I must be that same tendency I have also fought with myself and like you say I always think but I'm supposed to meal plan and everybody says can't do it without a meal plan but as you say we've got four freezers of meat <laughs> And ground meat is, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've even cooked it frozen. <laughs> but Well, I don't even like making decisions. Well, yeah, you can cook it frozen for sure <laughs> in the pan if you're browning it. I know. <laughs> you can't really make meatballs out of no. it if it's frozen. But also what I like about having meat in the freezer is, you know, Monday you're like, oh, let's pull out this pork roast. And Wednesday you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm making a pork roast. Guess, All right. Yeah, you don't have yeah. to make so many decisions. Yeah. I, then you're like, well, I what agree. do I make it with? Oh, I guess I have some celery. Yes, yes, I have some of this. All right, whatever. <laughs> Just put it in. <laughs> I feel so validated in this moment. Somebody that creates such wonderful food that I look up to so much cooks this way. <laughs> Thank you. My mother is just like this. She's like, oh, what's in the fridge? Okay, was here's this mom. masterpiece. <laughs> wow. Wow. We are four of a kind. Yeah, I do the same thing. I'll go in and I'm just like, I don't know, turkey, ground beef, get a bunch of things out. And then... As the week goes by, I'm like, I'll cook the turkey. I cooked the turkey last night. I don't. Yeah. I saw on your Instagram. Yeah, I just cooked it. This looks delicious. To have it cooked. There are turkeys on sale now in a lot of stores. Oh, here, really? So. <laughs> yeah, because the Thanksgiving turkeys, at some point, they have to unload oh, them. Oh, that's funny. 
well, this is just a smallish turkey for my yard. And so then I figured I'll cook it. And then today I'll have, I have a cooked turkey. What am I going to do with it? I don't know. Think of it when I get up there. <laughs> yeah. So make a turkey salad or whatever. Yeah. And then you're going to make turkey broth. Yeah. You know, just it's there. Just do it. <laughs> it is surprising if you, I think you could either be very organized and plan if that suited you, but also I'll just, I, I say randomly, probably there is a little organization to it in my mind, but I'll just think, well, uh, I don't have any legumes out, so I'll just start a bowl of pinto beans soaking. And then the next, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not really planning what it's for. Yeah. And then the next day I'm like, oh, I could do refried beans because I have tortillas and I cooked that turkey and we could have like pinto and turkey burritos or something, you know? So that's wonderful. And I'll plan, you know, we have company over quite a bit. So I I'll, I kind of do dishes that require planning more for company and yeah. that's fun. Yeah. And that's sort of special, but that's yeah. not what I do every day. Well, and also when you're cooking for kids, <laughs> kids are not actually that picky. They can be picky with new foods, but if there's foods that you don't need to make complicated stuff for them. If you give your kids some sausages and some yeah. mashed potatoes, I don't know any kid who doesn't no. like that. Actually, I have a daughter that doesn't like mashed potatoes. I still there's don't always understand somebody. it, but for them... <laughs> Someone. But for the most part, kids like simple, tasty food. Yeah. You no, know, you're right. That. Oh, I also do have, you know, another one of my little secrets is canned fish. Oh, yeah. So for myself yes. personally, if I, you know, it's time for me to eat, mm -hmm. I just fry a couple of eggs and then I get canned fish out and make a little salad with it with some, you know, some onions, some cucumber, maybe some hard boiled eggs, some mayo, mix that up. And there you go. You yeah. have lunch. And I am a massive fan of canned cod livers. I actually, I don't take cod liver oil anymore. I think it tastes nasty, and I just decided I won't eat anything Wait, that tastes nasty. cod livers? Where does this happen? Oh, they're from Iceland, I believe. I order them on Amazon. You get these packs of, of I don't remember, a lot of cans. Oh, and they, they taste amazing. They don't taste anything what? like cod liver oil. They're just buttery them. and mild and smooth. And um, I'll, I'll post one. I'll probably make it today. I, all the time, I make just this little salad of hard-boiled egg. And the canned cod liver and just a little bit of onion. And my kids miraculously like it too. And it's so easy. So yeah, canned fish is another another secret to my success. Yeah, that is that is a good um, staple that I usually try to have at least a little bit of on hand. We have some great small fisheries out here. And um, one that I really like, tuna guys. They sell the most amazing canned albacore. And also the, what are those little mini shrimps called? I don't know. Mini shrimp, I guess. <laughs> ah, so good. And yeah, you can make a meal out of that. Like in two oh, seconds. Oh, those frozen, I buy those cooked frozen mini shrimps also. Oh, I don't you know. You make a salad with those. Here. Yeah. I just buy them in Safeway in the freezer. They're wild caught. And if you have an Ikea, Ikea always sells them because they serve them. Really? Ikea has this sandwich with bread. Wow. And uh, sliced egg, mayo, greens, and that that shrimp stuff. It's cooked and they're tiny, and you just can make the most fabulous little shrimp salads with them. That's another really easy easy thing to have on hand. Yeah, I love shrimp. We don't have it very often, but I do love it. Hey, you washing the dishes. <laughs> Been there. You've heard Allison and I talk over and over about her love of rye sourdough bread. Well, I might actually call it an obsession. That's neither here nor there. Now you can make Allison's rye sourdough in your own kitchen with her as your teacher. And she's a really good teacher. Rye is economical, it's delicious, and full of nutrients and low in gluten. 
There's a reason why it has been a darling of bread bakers for centuries. Make it into sourdough, as Allison will show you in her course, Rye Sourdough Bread, Mastering the Basics. And you've got an amazing, tasty, and nutritious staple in your kitchen. It's traditional, and it's nutritional. In this course, you'll learn everything there is to know about how she creates and maintains her rye sourdough starter, all about whole grain sourdough rye, including the key differences between baking with rye and wheat, how to make two loaves, an everyday rye sandwich bread, and a delicious Russian-style dark rye loaf, and what to do with your sourdough discard, including video walkthroughs for sourdough pancakes and a tasty, sweet, spiced cake. Head to www.ancestralkitchen.com slash rye. Um, yeah, that was another question I had for you about your sourcing and supply. You kind of alluded to it. You said we buy a cow, you know, a couple pigs, whatever. Um, what are some of your, you know, maybe meat, dairy, eggs, veg? Like, how do you source the things that you're using? What are your favorite ways? So I've lived where I live now. I live in Grand Junction, Colorado, which is a city in Western Colorado mm -hmm. near the Utah border. I've lived here for almost five years and I've been getting my meat from the same fabulous sources since then. There's two farms I get from. One of the farms is owned by our Western A. Price chapter leader. Awesome. Um, and so I get raw milk and pork from one farm. I get raw milk every week and then I buy a pig from that farm every year and two lambs. And then from the other farm, I buy a cow every year. It's a heritage breed. So it's about half as big as a typical cow. Like so it's not as much something? meat as it sounds. Like a mm -hmm. Hereford? What, do you know what it is? I don't remember what the okay. breed is. They're very, <laughs> they're very mean cows. <laughs> and Highlander? my farmer hates them, but they taste mean. so good. <laughs> I can find out. Yeah. <laughs> and they taste wonderful. And, and then I've bought, I've bought goats from her as well. So I just get all those animals every year and that gets me the animals, the fat, you know, okay. the bones, the organs. I'm all set for that. There's a wonderful farm about an hour and a half from me that I get chickens from, but I kind of only get chickens as freezer space allows because mm -hmm. chickens are very awkward. They're they take so up bulky. so much. Yeah. Yeah. They're so bulky. Right. Whereas the other meat you get in these nice yeah. little pretty much rectangular packs, yeah. you can stack them, whereas a chicken takes up half your freezer. So I kind of get those when I can the from a, a really wonderful farm in um, Carbondale, Colorado. Um, for cheese, I will usually order it. There's several places. There's a wonderful farm in near Durango, Colorado called James Ranch. I've ordered from there. And then I've ordered from Pleasant Pastures in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I, am, I just made, joined a membership with Amos Miller, so I can order from there as well. Um, and then we buy organic cheese at the store too. Yeah. And then for vegetables, I used to be in a vegetable CSA and I, I was, I, I felt terribly tyrannized by it because I would get so much kale and I just oh. don't like it that much. Oh yeah. I, I think kale is just fine, but it's just not worth the work to prepare it. You have to no. cut out the ribs and it's no. so big. It's like all over my floor. If you can get the so baby all... leaves, those are good, but that's, well, yeah, but I was just getting whatever the farm gave, which was, it was wonderful, but I just had all this stuff I didn't really love that I felt forced to prepare and I felt guilty when it went bad. And so they stopped doing it last year and I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> You're out. I'll just buy vegetables. So I just buy organic vegetables from the store. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> buy whatever I want. 
<laughs> yeah, there's a there's a beauty to CSAs in that, you know, it's the first time I ever tried kohlrabi and some different new, you know, patty pan squashes and things like that was when I joined our first CSA in 2010 or something. But um yeah, if you're just getting a ton of kale, like filler. Well, kale's, I mean, I've worked, I worked for a CSA farm for a couple of years. People like kale typically. <laughs> they want to make smoothies and things like that. So uh, no. <laughs> no thanks. My raw vegan days are behind kale. me. Like I like it. I like it once it's cooked. It's just it's just not worth yeah. you know for me right. My page is all about easy kale. Is so not worth the work. Yeah. It's a lot of work for a vegetable. Same with pumpkin. A whole fall I just get all these pumpkins. I'm like I made the pumpkin soup. I don't want to make pumpkin muffins. It's not worth it. I'd rather get it from a can. <laughs> when you when you I'm get a vegetable that you literally the instructions say to massage it, I'm sorry, that's high maintenance. <laughs> and butternut squash is too much work too. It's so hard. Oh, I Please, love I, butternut I, squash. I always end up with broken hands by the time I finish preparing. That's I just buy it cubed i don't eat it that often and if i do i just buy it pre-cubed it's just it's too much work for me somebody did tell me and i did this a bunch of times they said just cut it in half and put it in the instant pot and then scrape the flesh out ah. well that's what i do i put it in the oven but even cutting it in half is hard when cut big. <laughs> yeah yeah when you get those nice small little compact butternut squash it's not so bad but i'm always They're afraid fine. i'm gonna lose a finger as i go I like acorn squash. That one's easy. Mm. You cut it in half love easily. It's squash. sweet. It's tasty. I do love all winter squash, generally speaking. Just the preparation is a little bit of effort. I don't like yellow squash. I know that's a summer squash, but I also I would get all this yellow squash. And I'm like, mm. oh. Yeah. Kind of limited on what you can do with that, too. <laughs> I love zucchini. Oh, I do love zucchini. Eggplant. You can do so much with zucchini. You can have it raw. I ate this Italian recipe once where you... You uh, grate the zucchini and you mix it with mascarpone and you put it on pasta. Oh, and it was amazing. That sounds really good. It was great. There's a lot of really great Italian zucchini recipes out there. I have to ask oh, Alice. Yeah, every Italian recipe is great. <laughs> well, <laughs> I love Italian food. <laughs> yeah. Um, what inspired you to start sharing all of this online? Well, I had this little orange notebook where I would just write down recipes that went well. <laughs> I just said, well, why don't I just take a picture and put it on Instagram instead? And it'll be easier for me also to go back and reference it, right? I have a picture yeah. and then yeah. I can share it, which is fun. So that's how it started. And I was surprised it picked up pretty quickly. I think I, I think my, the name I picked, Weston A. Price Recipes, was very fortunate because people who are searching for Weston A. Price, yeah. I would come up. There are not a lot of accounts with Weston A. Price in oh, the title. There's really not. Um, there's really not. Yeah, no, it grew quickly and I got a great response. And then recently uh, I discovered that Instagram's all about reels now. So I started <laughs> making reels and that's actually, it's been really fun. It's a lot more work than just snapping a picture, but it's I've had a great response and I've actually had a lot of fun making those as well. Good, good. Yeah, I'm glad you're sharing it because it's useful for me. That's probably why I found you too as the name. Probably because... When I type in Weston A. Price to go to their Instagram, your name pops up underneath it because it's, or above it. No, underneath it because alphabetically you're next. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that probably helps. And what would be your advice to somebody who is where you were in 2009 and they want to start this ancestral food journey? 
or nine years ago or whatever. Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, now here we are in 2023, I feel like this movement's taking off so quickly and I'm so grateful for mm-hmm. that. Um, but based on the content I see online, I think the biggest piece of advice I want to give people is that you don't have to be perfect. I don't want, you know, this shouldn't be stressful. This is really all about going back to a love of food and enjoying food. And unfortunately, I think a lot in this movement, you see a lot of fear. You see a lot of fear and you see a lot of perfectionism. I see posts and groups I'm in saying, is it okay to buy organic chicken from the store? Because the chicken from the farm is two hours away and it costs this much. And should I feel bad feeding my children store-bought organic chicken? You know, I, 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 I really encourage people not to come to this from a place of fear. Um, and to remember that you don't have to be perfect. What Dr. Price found in his work was that the reason we have these problems in the West, these health problems, is that we're severely deficient in fat-soluble vitamins. But what happens is once we get enough of those fat-soluble vitamins, we can actually handle the junk food. When he came back from his travels, he did a study where he took kids with all sorts of cat, with cat, he was a dentist, so he had a dental clinic. So he took kids with a lot of cavities and they were eating, you know, the standard American diet of the 30s or 40s, which was not good, uh, back at home. And he had them just come once a day to his clinic and eat one really nutrient-dense meal. It would be some sort of stew with meat and organ meats or seafood or something in it. And then it, he would, they would have a glass of raw milk, and then they would have a piece of uh, bread with really good butter on it. And then at home, they would keep eating the junk they were eating. And all those kids, their cavities healed. Wow. So if our bodies get what they need, they can withstand a lot of other stuff. So you don't have to be scared. As long as you're eating well at home, you don't have to be scared of birthday parties. You don't have to be scared of you know vacations and things like that. And I know some people have severe allergies or sensitivities. I'm, I'm, I'm not really talking about that. I'm just talking about in general for your health. It's, it's okay if your kid drinks a Capri Sun at a birthday party, if they're getting... <laughs> good, you know, nutri- or a church. I mean, this this was a battle for me that I just gave up on at church, you know, because every week they get some sort of junky snack there. And I, they get, my kids get really upset if they can't have the same stuff as other kids. I used to try to bring their own stuff, you know, and I said, you know what, whatever, she can, it's okay if my kid has a pirate booty or goldfish once a week. They're eating great food at home. So I, I think that I, I try to make the message of my page very positive. I never post about things being bad for you. I have my own ideas about what's bad for you. But I think the important thing is focusing on eating what's good for you. And if you focus, if you eat what's good for you and your body's healthy, you can withstand a lot of that other stuff. No problem. It's not going to adversely affect your health. When you go to someone else's house and you see them popping, you know, Pillsbury biscuits (laughs) out of the can and popping them in the oven, you know what, you can be polite and eat those. They're not going to hurt you because you've been eating well. At home, you know, I don't want this to be something that poisons the rest of your right. life. You know, you can't take the kids to birthday parties. You go to someone's house and you ask what oil they cooked something in. No, it's okay. Just focus on good habits at home and focus on eating really nutrient-dense foods at home. Um, and you can withstand the, the uh, you know, the food in the rest of the world. Right. So that that's probably my biggest piece of advice. Um, but otherwise, if you're, if you're getting started again, my advice is to try to keep it simple. If, if you look at like the way I grew up in, in Russia and, you know, Ukraine, there wasn't an enormous variety of dishes that were eaten every day. There was a very sort of set, um, 
number of everyday dishes. And if you if I went to someone else's house, they were cooking the same stuff and they might cook it better than my mom <laughs> did or not as well as my mom did, but it was it was sort of the same canon, you know? It was fairly limited, but that meant that everyone knew how to make it. Everyone had their own family's recipes and it was simple, especially if you're cooking for children. Children don't need a lot of variety. In fact, you probably know children don't like variety. They like to stick with the same stuff they're eating all the time. So don't feel don't feel bad if you're serving your kids the same meal twice a week. If they like that meal, great. You know, weekends are a great time to give them try have them try something new, or you go to someone's house or something like that. It's okay to just have a few dishes that you know how to make well, and just rotate those all the time. Um, and then you know, if you're starting out, the best way to just the best way to force yourself to cook nutrient dense food is to only buy high quality ingredients. And um, if possible, I really urge people to buy a whole animal. And you don't have to buy the whole thing. You can often buy just a quarter. But the reason I urge that is you're going to get a variety of cuts and that'll force you how to cook the, to learn how to cook them. And you might fail cooking the difficult cuts at first. That's fine. But eventually you'll figure out how to make them <laughs> edible and maybe even taste good. And also you're going to end up getting organs, bones, and fat. So there you go. You're forced to learn how to cook organs you're you're gonna render that fat and cook with it, which is uh, which is gonna really contribute a lot to your nutrition. And you have a bunch of bones. Well, you're gonna make bone broth out of those, and you're gonna eat soup. All of that's really really healthy. So set yourself up for success. Try to keep it simple and just get good ingredients into your house. And especially if if you can, please buy a whole animal or you know a quarter or something like that, have it in your freezer. You're going to be forced to eat it. It's going to be good quality meat, and there's going to be bones, organs, and fat there, which is really the things that are missing so much from our diet and that are so nutritious. Such sound advice. I love it. And that is an absolute hallmark of your account. It is always encouraging. That's probably why I gravitate towards your account so much. Now that you've pointed it out, I don't go there and feel like I'm getting slapped in the face because I um, drank a sparkling water that came out of a can that turned out it's going to give me cancer or something. <laughs> you know, or accidentally breathed into much oxygen. And now studies show that we need less oxygen and we should always be semi-starved for oxygen. I don't know. There's something new other to stress about. So. Well, the, the thing that really gets me is the EMFs. I'm not arguing that, uh, you know, EMFs might be really bad for us. But I mean, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> we live in the world, you know? And it really, it upsets me, I, I, you know, seeing how much effort is devoted to talking about this. It's one thing, you know, to devote effort to try to, I don't know, pass legislation or something. But a lot of it is just so much fear. Yeah. Fears. You know, fear's these are, these are not the EMFs. And mm -hmm. fear and stress are also toxic. They're those are they're the most to toxic. You know that that was my background, yeah. right? All my pain and everything yeah. was from was from emotions. It wasn't because I was eating badly, right? Even though I, you know, I, I was eating fine. I had cavities and stuff, but I didn't heal by eating. Right. I healed through my emotions. Um. So, uh, yeah, especially especially with the EMFs, there's very little we can do. We live in the world. I really don't think the answer is to cloister yourself from the whole world. And you know what? You can do that with yourself, but I don't think it's fair to do that to children. You know, children have to be prepared for the world. Isn't that how we start cults and things? <laughs> well, right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a possibility. <laughs> I, I don't. I personally, 
you know, I personally don't think it's the right one. <laughs> you could, maybe someone could convince me otherwise. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think we have to engage in the world. I think we have to live in the world and we have to engage in the world. We have to find our place in it, but I don't think the answer is, is removing ourselves from it. The wonderful, encouraging words, Anita, you're seriously such an encouraging person. And I love finding out that you're such a rebel. Of course you are. <laughs> Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Yes. So the best place to find me online is on Instagram. The handle, <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, is Weston A. Price Recipes. The actual name of my account is Weston A. Price Easy Recipes. And you can also find me on my website, which I don't update often enough. My website is really just an archive of my Instagram page. It's very boring to archive it, so I don't do it often <laughs> enough. But if you go to my website, which is westonapricerecipes.com, at the very least, you'll get a link to my Instagram page. And you can also, if you're not on Instagram for any reason, there is a contact me form, which will go straight to my email. So if you have any questions or thoughts or anything, please feel free to to reach out to me there. And um, you can also search past recipes there. Uh, I, I don't think I've updated it in about six months. And I probably There's still should. a lot on there. There's still a lot on there. There's a lot the roast on there. chicken is on mm. there. The roast chicken. <laughs> <laughs> all my, um, all my uh, liver pâtés are on there. Yeah, that's actually going back to how to get started. Um, I, I, I will give one little aside. I, I really do encourage everyone to get liver into their diets regularly. Mm -hmm. I recently did a little Instagram live about this. I said there's kind of a two, if you don't, if you hate liver or if you're so new to it, yeah. if it scares you, I, I recommend a two-pronged approach. One is just get it into your diet right now. And that's either through uh, some sort of desiccated liver supplements. Mm -hmm. The rebel in me does not allow me to take any <laughs> supplements or pills. I hate them <laughs> with a passion. I can't have anything that's on schedule for me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, some people are very good at, and regimented about things like that. Or, um, you know, hide it, mix it into your ground meat or buy a, an organ and ground meat blend. Force of Nature Meats makes a wonderful one. My kids have no idea that they're eating organs if they have that. So that's one. Just just find a way to get it into your into your diet now. But two, my big two, you want to develop a taste for liver. And my biggest recommendation for doing that is to get one of my three um, pate recipes. I have on my website, I have chopped liver, ch um, chicken liver pate and chicken liver mousse. All of them just have liver as one ingredient. There's a lot of other stuff going on in there. Okay. So take one of those recipes and cut the liver in half. Keep all the other ingredients the same. Cut the liver in half. Make it. I think you'll be surprised. Oh, I think you'll find idea. it delicious. I think, yeah, I think you'll be surprised at what a rich and wonderful flavor it is. It can be overwhelming at first if um, to just have straight liver right. if you're not used to it. But if you get a, like a nice pate, I mean, I don't know anyone who doesn't like the the liver pate recipe I have, which is which is adapted from a Jacques Pepin recipe. And it's just a ton of butter and a bit of chicken liver and some aromatics. And you can cut the liver in half even further and it's just spread it on bread and it's really delicious. And that'll help you just sort of start developing a taste for this food, which is, um, you know, so maligned in our, in our culture, but it's actually a delicacy all around the world. Absolutely. And it's super delicious if it's cooked right and you, and you sort of have, are used to it and develop a taste for it. And again, it's the most nutrient dense food on the planet pretty much. The other one is caviar, and I do highly recommend getting that. That is very expensive, so yeah. it's not. I'm, you know, I'm not going to tell everyone go go buy caviar. I buy it from Vital Choice. Okay. Online, it's from Alaska. It's just super delicious. It is extremely nutrient dense. So if you can get that, but but liver, in, if you just incorporate liver into your diet regularly, it's going to make a big difference in your nutritional intake. 
especially those those fat soluble vitamins that that you know in right. our culture we're so deficient in. Right. And if you're befriending a farmer, I have a freezer filled with livers. So she yeah, exactly. You can get them for free. A lot free. <laughs> no, that's right. If you can, if you befriend a, a local farmer, most people don't take the organ. Yeah, you can very probably them. get them for very cheap or for free. Mm-hmm. One of my farmers, um, when I would help her butcher, then I would say, "I'll take the feet and the." organs and things and then after a while of me doing this she said oh i want to find out why you're taking these and now i don't get to take them anymore because she likes them now oh (laughs) which is phenomenal you spread the the word (laughs) that's wonderful the head is another thing you can probably get for free i have head i posted my little head cheese video oh you have a head cheese video i feel like i did see that I have a head cheese video. It's just me kind of talking about how yeah. I made it because I didn't film every part of it. But I, I I've I made it a few that. times, and this time it came out quite well. So, so okay. uh, I'm, I'm gonna get heads. Well, I have lamb heads as well in my freezer, but the pig heads are huge. So pig heads you yeah. don't want to really stick in your freezer because they're so big. So I just took one this year, but next year I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna take all the pig's heads so I can get my hands. I on. need to take and make your head cheese. I I liked the one I made. It was fine. But I was just basing it off of, I had heard Tara Couture say how she made a pig head head cheese. So I had no real instructions other than somebody said, oh, I boiled it and then I shredded it. And then I was like, oh, I'll try that. It was good. Well, that's but... part of it is you don't want to shred it, actually. That was the mistake <laughs> I made before. So my head cheese references, I went to Corsica a few years ago, which is an island, you know, mm-hmm. it's part of France. It's an island in the Mediterranean. And I would buy head cheese there every week at the market, and it was just the most delicious thing I'd ever eaten. Huh. So, and it it had it, it, the meat wasn't shredded; it was in cubes. Oh, okay. so when I came home, I tried making head, head cheese a few times, and if you try to cut that meat when it's warm, it's just going to shred, and I don't think it, it comes out well. Yeah. Well, I, I it didn't come out like it did in France. <laughs> so this yeah, time so I waited until the meat. You, t- you wait till it gets cold. So you stick it in the fridge, and then you pull it out, and then you can chop it into cubes. Okay. And it came out you know, maybe so much I better this way. Now, because um, all my refrigerators are pretty full, but it's cold out. So if I do it now, I could put it on the back deck and chill it. Yeah, and, exactly. And then bring it back in and then just. And then you can cube it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds really good. Oh, I thought I had one more question, but I can't remember what it is. But. Anyways, this was absolutely lovely, and I'm once again inspired. Everybody, go check out her website, and um, if if you want something just yummy and delicious, make the panna cotta. Oh my goodness, your panna cotta with the uh, I made it for a baby wrong. shower, and I made it in the four ounce mason jars. So it was like individual cups. Such a hit. <laughs> it's so good. That's such a nice presentation for it too. Yeah, yeah. It's such a such a delicious simple yeah like you said very simple i it was a uh, while well, i didn't plan anything uh, i'll just do this because it's so fast <laughs> there's so many simple easy desserts like that you just have to use a lot of cream yeah <laughs> you, know? you know if you have a lot of cream you can fix all kinds of problems in this world <laughs> yeah it's really true awesome well thank you anita for taking the time to visit with us and i look forward to making many more recipes off of your website and talking with you again more later. That warms my heart. It really does. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram. Andrea's at farm and hearth. 
and Allison's at ancestral underscore kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen.